Hi, everyone. It's Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner podcast and choosing to spend a few minutes of your day here with me. And today, I am so excited about the person that I'm going to be talking with today. And that person is Rob Bell. And you may be familiar with Rob, but just in case you aren't, Rob is a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and spiritual teacher. His books include things such as Love Wins, How to Be Here, What We Talk About When We Talk About God, Velvet Elvis, The Zim Zoom of Love, Jesus, God, uh, I have said that wrong, Sex God, and Jesus Wants to Save Christians, and the book drops like stars. He's also authored another book called uh, What is the Bible, and that is one of my favorite books that he's ever written as well. He also hosts the weekly podcast called Robcast, which was named by iTunes as one of the best of 2015. He's also been profiled in The New Yorker and in Time Magazine as one of 2011's 100 Most Influential People, and he currently resides in Los Angeles. And today I am talking with him uh, about a lot of different things, but one of the main things that we're going to be talking about is his book, Everything is Spiritual, Who We Are and What we're doing here. And I'm, I was so excited about the opportunity to just talk with him. It was, uh, it's, it's truly a highlight for me of this podcast of being able to talk with him. I'm excited to bring that conversation to you in just a second. But before we do that, I do want to let you know that the music that you're listening to is brought to you by my good friend, Sam Massey. If you have any music or video needs, be sure to hit him up on Instagram at Sam Massey 77. And thank you so much for listening as well. You know, here at the Learner's Corner, we truly want to create a safe place to have dangerous conversations. And what I mean by that is that we want to create a safe place to where there may be times to where you're afraid to ask the question that you want to ask because you're afraid of the response that you're going to get from somebody else. Or maybe you're afraid of being judged, or maybe you're, you don't feel like you can have that conversation because, um, because of the disagreements that will come from it and it won't end up well. Well, here at the podcast, we truly want to create a safe place to have those types of conversations because we believe that we can learn from anyone, from everyone, from anything, and from everything. And that's why I'm so excited to bring you my conversation with Rob Bell. Well, Rob, I am so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. This is great to be with you. Yeah. And, and just as we get started, you know, you have uh, this new book coming out, which is called Everything is Spiritual. And anytime that someone creates a piece of art or a book or anything that they just put out in the world, I just love knowing the story behind it. What, what, uh, what makes someone want to put that out into the world? And so I would just love to hear what made you want to write Everything is Spiritual. Oh my goodness. I love to make things. I find the world endlessly fascinating. I find the depth of life just absolutely compelling. And I actually, I think what we actually want is a sense of wonder and awe Mm -hmm. about our own existence. People like want to be successful and accomplish things and they want money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you really want, you know what I mean? What, 
what you really want is to wake up in the morning with a sense of wonder and awe about your own life. I, I get to do this. Um, there's something childlike, which is different than childish, something childlike about the sensation of this experience we call life being a gift. And we're here. And it's disruptive. And right now, obviously, there's a rising death toll and there's massive social and racial upheaval and lots of institutions and structures that haven't been working and have actually been oppressive are being exposed. So it's brutal and it's disorienting. It's also absolutely necessary for us to create a new world and reorder the world in better ways. So that's all very true. And it's also this experience and even you and I, we get to talk. I made a, I typed some words and you read it and now we're talking about it. That's amazing. Yeah. So this book came about because um, I've done these, everything is spiritual tours where I talked about mm -hmm. quantum physics and dimensional theory and all of, and the cosmos, um, the facts about the weirdness and bizarreness of life and how, profoundly spiritual all that is but when i started thinking about doing the third one i kept thinking where did i come to these ideas hmm. like how did i come to see the world this way and that took me into my own history and to stories i'd never told and suddenly i was talking about like the opening line of the book my grandmother used to keep cash in her bra you know what i mean like suddenly it became how did this all happen what mm -hmm. shaped me um so i wrote the book about the particulars of the unfolding of my story in the hopes that you would find yourself in it. Mm -hmm. That it's about me, but it actually it's a mirror that Caleb goes, oh, I felt that. Caleb somehow sees himself in that. I'm talking about you're like third person, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I know what you mean. Yeah. It, it definitely feels like your most, and not that your other books haven't been personal, but this one in particular, you get into such details and everything. And it's almost a little bit like of an autobiography as well for part of it is what it feels like to me. Yeah. And I was always like, I would never write anything like that. And then <laughs> somehow it became where all the energy and life is. And I kept, there was this mantra that kept repeating for me you get to own every square inch of your story. And, the, and, and for so many people, their past and their history has all these events and moments they don't know what to do with. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It gets repressed. It gets avoided. Please, nobody bring up that period of my life. I don't want to. Um, and so you end up almost like with these bits and pieces of your own history. Um, and there was something about this experience for me of, just owning all of it, the good, the bad, the awkward. And when you do that, something incredibly powerful happens. You're free in some way, mm -hmm. especially the awkward. I mean, most of the story, a good chunk of the book is weird stories about stuff not working. You know what I mean? It's like falling down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Um, and that's my point. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Can, can you just say more about that? And what, like, what what led you to want to to be okay or be comfortable with with owning the awkward parts of your story, with owning the parts of your story that maybe at one point 
like you didn't like, because I think that's something that everybody goes through is we all have a part of our story to where it's like, I don't like this. I wish that this part could be different. Right. Right. And yet, if you hadn't have gone through those things, you wouldn't be who you are. Like, that's actually where all the interesting stuff happens. Think about all the stories that you and I are drawn to. It's never about everything going perfectly for somebody. It's about the mess, the pain, the ache, the angst. And yet, they're here. And they got, they made it. Yeah. So in some senses, the book, it's, it's a feeling, you know what I mean? It's a feeling of this energy, this spirit lurking in all of it. Um, this spirit lurking in all the aches and pains, bringing something new out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted people to pick up on that feeling like do you see this thing that's happening here and everything within you wants to run or avoid it or um or eliminate it no 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 listen to it cuz there's something there's profound creative energy present in that steaming heap of a mess right there <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like don't no don't avoid it don't drive around it go into the heart of it you'll be okay. There's energy there. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You talked about how there's a difference between being childlike and being childish. What's the the difference? Childish is a failure to grow up. It avoids the difficult things. It avoids the responsibility of owning every square inch of your life. It numbs. um, It distracts. It just goes back scrolling through Instagram instead of actually feeling whatever it is, angst, loneliness, despair. Um, there's a childish failure to acknowledge what's actually happening within you. Um, and then there's childlike, which is in spite of everything you've been through and how many times you've had your heart broken and how easy it is to become cynical, deciding that you are going to become the kind of person who sees this whole thing as a wondrous gift Mm -hmm. that can be embraced and that you'll take all the stuff that came your way that you would have wished didn't come your way and allow it to shape you into a bigger, wider... There's this old phrase... um, what you do is you make room within yourself for the immensities of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's like you expand, you, you're able, you can, all these strange things sit side by side in your heart and it's okay. Yeah. You, you keep talking about it. And I've heard you talk about it several times about how viewing, viewing life as a gift. I imagine that there probably had to have been a time to where you did not view life as a gift. <laughs> Well, obviously, some things you're like, this is not a gift. <laughs> so that's part of the honesty. You uh, you call it what it is. If it's awful, if this person drives you absolutely insane, you own, just be honest about it. Um, we start with just brutal, brutal, raw honesty. Today, I feel lost. I have absolutely no interest today in doing anything for anybody. Like, that's fine. That's actually part of it. You know what I mean? Is you begin there 
Um, and some things, the last thing they feel like is a gift. So you say it. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. In the middle of the Bible are these Hebrew prayers called the Psalms. And probably half of them are laments. And a lament is, what the, what is, like, it's angry. It's, it's the absence of presence. Um, they're, they're prayers about how there is no God. Where are you? Why do you hide your face? And so at the heart of spirituality is brutal honesty about the experience you're having. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting for because for so many people, if they had their experience of spirituality, which generally in our culture comes through religion, um, was of whatever you do, pretend like just everything's fine. Everything, seriously, everything's fine. As opposed to, no, 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 no. The only way you get anywhere inter- interesting is to be absolutely brutally honest about the experience that you're having. Mm. And it might not feel like the drift. That's all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think and another theme that I think kind of relates a little bit to it in the book is is the theme of curiosity as oh, well yeah. and being open to that. <laughs> what have you done to feed your curiosity? <laughs> oh yeah, curiosity is underrated and calling is overrated. Mm, uh, say more about that. Uh, for some, oftentimes what happens is a person decides, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then they give themselves to it. And regardless of whether they're thriving or not, I guess this is just a thing I'm supposed to do. As opposed to following their curiosity. What's interesting when you talk to people who are thriving, generally there's some questions they're asking. What would it be like to start a business there? Could I help those people? Are there better ways to educate kids? Underneath it all, what you'll find is some that that their creative act in the world is driven by some question. And what happens is you get answers to your questions and then those answers give you new questions. So I just kept noticing my own curiosity. That's the engine. Um, how can we help those people? How could I put that idea in language people might grasp? How can we get those people food? How can we build a better healthcare system for those people? Mm-hmm. Um, I just kept noticing how often curiosity was actually the thing under it. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed that whenever people had a sense of restlessness, like something about their life wasn't what they knew their life could be, whenever you, you, gave, you created a little space for them to get the chatter out of their head and all of the opinions of other people about what they're supposed to be doing, oftentimes what I've noticed is the person there's a deep knowing the person has of who they truly are and what they're here to do. And it's usually, I kind of always wondered what it would be like to be a fill in the blank. Um, yeah. So, so I discovered probably by my early thirties, curiosity was the only game in town. So my wife, Kristen and I just arranged our life around it. Let's just keep following it see where it takes us and the stuff that i make books films teachings all that it's all basically could i make that i wonder i should try making that i wonder what that would be like to make that yeah <laughs> like this book this book was could i tell a bit of my story 
in such a way that people would see something about their own story. So that's like, well, the the book on some senses began with a question. Mm-hmm. Is is there anything that you do to help uh, foster that curiosity? Because I feel like whether it be um, like curiosity is not necessarily something that is encouraged a whole lot whenever it comes to our yeah. world. And I'm just uh, I'm curious to know <laughs> what what do you do to help foster that curiosity in yourself? Okay, most people that you're interacting with. Okay, everybody that you're interacting with is way more interesting than anybody realizes, especially the person you're interacting with. And most people don't ask other people interesting questions. So uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Recently, I met up with some beloved friends of mine who live across the country. So I hadn't seen them in a couple of years. And um, my one friend, she had just gone through chemo. Mm-hmm. and um was bald is bald and so this is my first time seeing her after she'd gone through and and found out she's cancer free but after you know in a brutal process and i see them in the restaurant and we hug and i'm so happy to see them and we we sit down and i just said what's it like and i thought her husband was gonna fall off the chair he's like he's like not one person has asked her what it's like mm. to have cancer and go through chemo and lose your hair. Um, and then she told me what it's like to find out you have cancer to go through. And it was, um, so, so sometimes you're like one question away from something profoundly interesting because people like just an inch below the surface, pain and wounds and joy and desire. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's, um, it's what all the best movies and TV shows and novels, um, all that stuff is happening all around you. You know what I mean? So yeah. number one, when you meet up with somebody, what's it like to be you? What made you decide to do this? Did you know that you were good at it from the beginning? Is there anything else you'd like to be doing? Well, if, if all your bills were paid and you never had to worry about any finances, what would you do with your time? Um, are there any places in the world you want to go? Why? Uh, I mean, there's just basic, it's just basic questions. And yet endless depth is right there. And then I also, I'll get into, I generally get interested about something I know nothing about. Mm -hmm. And so that's, what's interesting to me is to right now I'm reading a biography about Oliver Wendell Holmes, a Supreme court justice who apparently I'm related to. Um, so it's like about the court system in the late 1800s. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> or, well, in the book, I talk about becoming immersed in quantum physics or the lyrics of Bob Dylan or architecture. Or, uh-huh. Yeah, the stuff that you know nothing about mm-hmm. is often where the most interesting stuff is. Yeah. What, uh, what makes for a good question to ask somebody? Uh, yes, no questions. Generally you'll get an SEO yes or a no, and then it's over. But, uh, here's, here's a great question. Ask somebody how it feels or how it felt. Uh, what did it feel like when you got fired to drive home in your car? What were you thinking about? 
questions about materiality, like what did it feel like in your body when she said that? It's fascinating how often people be like, I never thought about it, but come to think of it. it, it um, oh, yeah, yeah. Those are always the kind of questions. A, a friend of mine is uh, in London in quarantine in her flat, which isn't very big. Um, what's it like um, to be in your apartment in London for six months in a row? Show me what's what's the view out the window. I just asked her all these questions about. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Most people are way way more fascinating than they realize. Yeah. Uh, another theme that is uh, very evident throughout the book is uh, just transitioning, and you going through a lot of different oh, transitioning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In life too, and I'm just curious. What what are some of the things that you've learned through your transitions, the good, the bad, that it's like, hey, in transitions, consider this and like never do these <laughs> things at all? Uh, <laughs> I love that you picked up on that. When Kristen and I got married, we had this sense we would have been 24 that life is an adventure. And we had each found someone to, to go on the adventure with. It sounds very 24-year-old-ish. But that's actually still how we feel. Um, so a lot of people have a, a sense that maybe a chapter is ending. But only know endings as bad you get fired, they don't want you, it turns sour, and not endings as a natural part of the rhythms of life. So I'll, I, I, you would be fascinated. I'll be talking to a crowd of people and I'll say, how many of you at some point in your life stayed too long somewhere? In a place, in a neighborhood, in a house, in a job, in a relationship, and every hand will go up. And I'll say, how many of you, there was a moment when the chapter, the season was over and it was time to move on, but you stayed because it was comfortable, Ev- and then things went sour. Um, so many people in our world know endings, only know you end because of something drastic or violent or destructive. Um, and so instead of knowing, sometimes things are, are good, and now it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you stay too long, what could have been a graduation becomes a divorce. So that, that's a huge thing of transitions is it might be time to go to the next thing, not because anything's wrong, but because you did this. Going back to your question about curiosity and about calling, um, a lot of people, got it got drummed into them by their tribe that loyalty is the highest value and endurance. You're supposed to do this forever. Who says? Who said I'm supposed to do this forever? You know what I mean? Why are you abandoning us? You're a quitter. No, I'm not a quitter. I was here nine years. It's been a great run. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've seen that. Oh, yeah. Like so-and-so. So-and-so just couldn't hack it. No. So-and-so was here for four years, and they gave their very best, and now they're going to go do something else. Uh, You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yep. They're not quitting. Something within them, some deep knowing 
uh, has made it clear to them. And sometimes there's other stuff involved, but it they're they're going to the next thing. Okay. So sometimes it's an overdeveloped sense of loyalty or people think that if you're leaving the thing that you're a part of with them, that somehow it's judgment on them instead of, this was so great we got to do this. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go do something else. Um, so some of it's out a false sense of security in our culture, but almost like a worship of, well, just make sure you make sure that it's, you got everything locked down and make sure that um, instead of, this whole thing, and that's actually one of the gifts of coronavirus, is some of the ways in which people were like, no, I need to make sure this whole thing is secure, and I got it all. Yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> it's way wobble, more wobbly. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So you should yep. probably just go do the thing you want to do. Because yeah. all of the, like, no, I'm going to stay here and get this thing nailed down and make sure it's all stable and secure. Great. Because yeah. it's not. Yeah. And that makes me think of uh, a quote that you have in the in the book that I actually want to read and just get have you elaborate on a little bit. Is you talk about how we can't control the outcomes of our work. We don't get to decide how people will respond to us, and an astonishing amount of the effect of our efforts is out of our hands. And you said at first, of course, I assumed it was just me if I was just more persuasive, more informed, more articulate. If I took this even more seriously, if I were more disciplined, stronger, if I were in better shape. We could come against our own powerlessness and often our first response is if we were just more powerful. But this isn't an obstacle to power through. It's a truth we have to make peace with. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. You reading me the book. I was like, ooh, I wonder where this is going. This is a good paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 throw yourself into it with everything you've got and you surrender the outcomes. Um, because there's a whole, you don't know how people are going to respond. Mm-hmm. I always, um, like I, I come out of the Jesus tradition in which Jesus gets executed for the record. Uh, so like almost central to the story is you give your best gift and you don't know how it'll be received. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's part of the, that's part of giving the gift is you give it everything you got. And the joy is in the giving of the gift. Um, not necessarily in how it's received. Now, somebody does read your book, quote it back to you. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like gravy. That's like frosting. That's what a wonderful incredible bonus um but as that 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 is the leap that when people make it changes everything is moving from i'm doing this so that i'll get a reward which which pulls you out of the present moment then my joy is somewhere down the road and if i'm waiting for someone to like it to be satisfied or enjoy the process then i've actually handed over my joy. I've given other people power over my peace and joy. But if you come to see the joys in the present moment and just the act of doing it, um, now, now you're living. What helped you now make that living. switch? Because at a young age, my wife and I and some friends started a church and suddenly 
there was this big religious institution and it was fantastic. And I loved it. And it was like high, just all these people coming to our new church. And I got to give these sermons and that was amazing. But quite quickly, it's like, oh, there's a whole bunch of, of dimensions to this experience that I can't control. That being the head guy, do you know what I mean? Being the leader, being the one in charge, um, it was different than how I thought it would be. Suddenly, like, oh, this, suddenly I had sympathy for all the leaders everywhere who mm-hmm. people were like, why don't you just do this? Because um, there's like 19 things in play here. It's like not that simple. Yeah. Um, and suddenly I was in this experience that, that I had previously saw would be the position of maximum power. And I found myself in that position realizing how much of it, how much powerlessness was baked into it hmm. that you can only, you give. So that was part of it. It was just making peace with that. My, my territory here, my, my realm is limited. <laughs> and that was the conversely, you, you get the thing that you're working towards only to discover that it isn't what you thought it was. And it was ferociously humbling. Yeah. It like just, cause people were like, man, it must be, I mean, how does that not get to your head? Cause I'm like in your late twenties, you're like, uh, because all I'm confronted with each day is how many things about this aren't how they could be. Hmm. It was the complete, it was not a head trip. It was, a. it required such surrender. Yeah. What else did you learn from kind of being like the head person <laughs> that, uh, that you just didn't realize until you became like the, the leader or the, the head yeah. person? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting in the, in the world I came from, like I went to seminary and then I became a pastor. Like there was like sort of a path that you took. Um, but in the world I came from, the person who did the teaching, the speaking, who created the experiences was also then the leader, almost like the spiritual CEO, like mm-hmm. managing people and like HR. And like there was a whole, it was like these, it was like these two hats. And it was just assumed that the same, but those are actually vastly different things, temperament, skills, talent, whatever. And um, it was very, very painful because the one hat making things was like, ah, the best. I I had endless energy to do that. But then Mm -hmm. when I stepped into this other role, it made it uh it took something out of me so deep and pain like i just the two hats it was like it's hard to explain it was like it just crushed my soul mm-hmm. and it wasn't that that other hat was bad it yeah. was like there's somebody I, I would be like there's somebody else who would love to do this who would be great at this so it's like once i could see them as two hats and then I only, I'm only going to do this. This is what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And I have absolutely no problem surrendering all that to some, could someone please come do all that? Yeah. That was, and I talk about in the book, that was a painful, like that, that caused me. Yeah. 
because you're like, I feel like I'm like talking the book about shame, the culture that I'm in, I should be able to, why can't I do this? What's wrong with me? Why can't I just work harder or whatever? And it was like, no, this is not what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're hitting that on something that sounds like self-acceptance. Like you, you realized like, yeah. these are the things that I'm good at and I'm okay <laughs> with that. What, what helped yeah. you become, what helped you become okay with that? Uh, yeah, my, I remember Kristen saying, you are not okay with having limits. Hmm. And this is the great invitation is for you to make peace with your limits. And the messages you've been sent about achievement and hard work and responsibility and duty and uh, all that, none of those messages are helping you. I like literally worked with a therapist to just uh, because we come from these worlds that they they it gets burned into our neural pathways. Like this is this is how the world works. This is how you be a good person. This is how you whatever. Everybody has those things rattling around, and the the soul work to listen to who you are. And especially when you're in an environment where there's a massive amount of people and budgets and things all around you basically communicating to you, you know, this is what you are to do. And yet there's something within you going, no, I know, I know what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not that. Yeah. And I got nothing but love and respect, but I got to follow this. Path. Yeah. Yeah. That was, whew. yeah, that, that was, that took, that took, some serious reflection and work and yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of uh, things that you're good at, I want to get your take on, uh, you know, you, you constantly, and even throughout the book you refer to, I've heard you many other times refer to the sermon as being, as being an art. Yeah. As yeah. Well. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Uh, a couple of ways to think about it. For many people, the spiritual teacher is the authority who ends the discussion. So here's how to think about X or Y. Um, But actually, the people who really help us are the ones who begin the discussion. They say something, the insight, the riddle, the parable, the story that it's almost like it goes to work on you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like it haunts you in a good way. Yeah. Um, Jesus tells this parable of the prodigal son who wanders away and comes home and his father throws a party for him and welcomes him back and all of his shame. And then the older brother won't join the party. It says to the dad, listen, your son did all this, squandered all your money. Then he comes back and you welcome him home. And the son essentially refuses to join the party and complains to the dad. And then you don't find out. If the son and the father says, yeah, but my son was dead. Now he's alive. He's lost. And now he's found. And then it just ends the story. If this was a movie, you would throw things at the screen. Like if this is a movie and the credit came up, credits came up. Wait, 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 wait. Does the older brother join the party? He leaves. Jesus leaves the parable unresolved. Um, if this was the season finale of a TV show, what we all love, everybody would, it would be like Game of Thrones. Like, what? You ruined it. Um, and I think that for me, 
that's why it sticks with you is is in the parable is a question it's like a it's unresolved so it 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 stays with you it works on you does something to you mm-hmm. so uh this art form it doesn't always sometimes it takes you farther into the mystery it raises questions doesn't give you answers other times it gives you answers that actually have questions built into them so mm-hmm. when i uh started doing my teachings and sermons and understood it as an art form i saw that i was from a long line of people who were it's almost like you're almost like architecture you're creating a space even the new book is almost like a space that people are invited to come into you know what i mean and mm-hmm. and you're going to see certain things on the walls and someone else might see slightly different things um and that's actually as opposed to here's information that you caleb need so i'm going to give it to you you're going to receive the information which there's a time and place for that um i've had these experiences i'm going to shape uh an experience using words and images and and then you you can enter in and then you can have your own experience with it which will probably go way beyond the experience I had with it. Mm-hmm. So it's just thinking about it in different ways. Uh, yeah. So those are, so that's just what's happened to me again and again, as I just keep discovering new dimensions of how to make these things and share them with people. Yeah. It's yeah. more fun than ever. I was going to say, even, even listening to you, you speak right now, it sounds like you're very comfortable with mystery and very uh, comfortable with uncertainty. What? I'm a human being. I have no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> so you can fight it or you can celebrate it. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what helps you become more comfortable with that? Because, yeah, you're right. You're saying, hey, you're a human being. And yet we see so many people who are trying to resolve the mystery, trying to find certainty. Yeah. In yeah. yeah, I mean, you think about early, like you have this, lizard brain the first part of your brain to develop think about your ancestors thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of years ago on the plains of africa like you need to know whether there's a lion in the bushes or not like and this wonderful early part of our brain was all about threat assessment like is there a lion in the bushes or not because we're either going to run or we're okay we can chill um and so that lovely wonderful absolutely necessary part of your evolutionary brain development kept us alive mm-hmm. we're here because that thing and that thing works instantly and it works very binary yes or no threat assessment um so that's that's good it's that's fine it's just when that takes over um and the mind never stops chattering with making labels and categories and the mind is wonderful when it's in service to the heart, but when you get stuck in mind and your mind is endlessly labeling and naming things to protect, if it still stays stuck in threat assessment, um, man, it's the front part of your brain that evolved later that's love, compassion, solidarity, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. so some of this we come by very honestly we have thousands of years of history of this so some, you know what i mean some of this yeah. need to master our environment and get rid of the mysteries 
is a very basic function that's kept us alive. But then some of it gets in the way, and so you have to transcend it, move beyond it. So it's very normal, and yet the invitation is to, yeah, yeah, make peace with. Yeah, that's a big, funky, weird, wide, strange cosmos that we call home. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you find the poetry of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are uh, a couple of things that I always love to ask people is who are some of your favorite people that you're learning from right now? Oh my goodness. Uh, honestly, my kids mm-hmm. are unbelievable. And we've all been in the house now for six months straight. So yeah. we normally spend a lot of time together, but now we're like really spending a lot of time together. And they, their insights about everything. Mm. The other day, we were in some situation and my 11-year-old daughter, and I was like, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. And she's like, how do you know? You haven't been to the future. And just the fact that she was like, I think she might have said, Rob Bell, you haven't been to the future. It's like she's calling me out on this super dismissive, optimistic that just takes whatever. It's like, oh, we're going to be fine. She's like, Rob Bell, you haven't been to the future. And there's something about that. A master teacher in the form of an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's a book by a, about an artist named Robert Irwin. The book is called Seeing is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees. I mentioned it in the book. That's the only book that's on my nightstand. I reread it at least once a year. Mm -hmm. It still teaches me. And that book, for some reason, is... Yeah, so sometimes it's books. Sometimes it's... That's my kids, though, right now. God, Lord. What else are you learning from your kids? Um, they, like my one son, it's almost like he can sense what's in the air. So I can ask him a question about, what do you think about this? Mm -mm. Nope, it's not the time. Like, it's almost like he reads the world at this like deep soul level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not trapped in his head. He's, so he'll just pick up, uh, he'll have very strong ideas for me about something and literally like a week later you're still like oh man that was that was even more insightful than I realized at the time yeah so he's um, and then they'll talk about like they'll say things like the people in authority allowed these policies that allows people to do horrible things to the earth so they'll be like, the idea of respecting authority, that's a nice idea. Maybe that worked in your generation, but a mm-hmm. lot of the authority structures that exist have really messed the world up. So you don't need to give all this respect to, to systems and even to people who have made a mess of things. Like they'll mm-hmm. say really interesting things. Yeah. Like the planet is in crisis and there are people who this happened on their watch. Um, yeah. so, and they're like, we're the first generation who grew up with this, will the planet be okay for our grandkids? So they just have these really, inter- like, um, what they do for me is my notions of how it should be. They're endlessly going, um, well, let's, let's be in this moment and ask 
how it should be because you're importing a bunch of stuff from a world that we can't relate to. I took them to show them the neighborhood I grew up in and they all laughed the entire time we drove around the neighborhood that I grew up in. Yeah. They all laughed. Dad, you grew up on the set of stranger things. (laughs) That's their first, when they saw the neighborhood, they were like, this is the set of stranger things. What'd you do? Ride a BMX bike? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, they demand Ugh. that you live right, that I live right here, right now. Hmm. Anything else, any nostalgia, any trying to make things how they used to be. None of it. We're only right here. That's the gift. Hmm. What, uh, would you take away from your last reread of Robert Irvin's book? Oh my goodness. He talks about at one point he's talking about these two different paintings and he talks about how the one painting blows the other painting off the wall when they're side by side because the one painting has an internal energy to it Hmm. and it actually really helped me in the writing of this book um, that a book can have an internal energy it's almost like it's crackling on the page Um, so like the way that that section where he talks about the paintings helped me is I kept with this book. I would pause constantly and make sure that I was, that I was typing from my heart Hmm. and not my mind. So I would, I would pause and say, Hey, what comes next? Uh, Almost like feel my way. What did it feel? feel like what was it like in my body what did it do as opposed to how can i cleverly explain the next thing mm-hmm. um you're you're writing about an experience to help people have their own experience and the brain serves that this isn't a head exercise and here are three points that you could take home no 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 stay so like i think there's one there's one line in the book where i just type i felt shame i was like that's not a rob bell sentence that's just like such a boring do you know what i mean it's just like a i felt shame um but but that's the so what kept happening in the book is the sentences got shorter and more no 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 just trust it Mm -hmm. just just tell them how it felt that's good that's fine you see what i'm saying like don't don't add fret you know fretboard pyrotechnics keyboard pyrotechnics to it don't don't add any special sauce just trust yeah that there's a feeling a heart here that's i was gonna say it it sounds like right it sounds like writing to connect with people or help resonate with people instead of like trying to make it look like you're impressive or you've created this fantastic Right, 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 uh, right 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 written word yeah and so i would i would go okay what's how old are you when when they're telling the story you were 23 okay okay I know you're older, but, but keep the story 23. Mm. Like, don't tell people what it was like in that moment to experience that. Don't be clever 50-year-old who's, like, just, and if people are like, well, duh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You were 23. Like, stay yeah. 23. Yep. Um, we're not impressing people with how much you know. We're just telling people what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was actually a transformative experience. Yeah. And one last question I have for you is if you could pass on three lessons to everybody, what would they be? Three lessons. Three lessons that you've learned in your life or three of the most important lessons that you've learned. If you could pass them on to anybody, what would they be? Caleb, there we go. I know, a a real softball question for you. No, it's a good one. (laughs) Three, only three. Um, Okay, number one. There is a rhythm to creation. Sunrises, sunsets, spring, summer, winter, fall. Uh, Things die, and then they're reborn and spring forth. So you actually, you have to develop a rhythm of life. Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. Sometimes you're doing your work. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. Sometimes you're on the grid. Sometimes you're off the grid. Sometimes you're not checking email and don't have your phone on you. Sometimes you are around your devices. Um, and that without a rhythm of life, if it's just go all the time, if life isn't broken up in some way with rhythm, it's not a good song Mm -hmm. and you burn out and you lose your vital creative energies because you haven't lived with a rhythm. Um, anything from taking a, a day as a Sabbath to just understanding, uh, Sometimes you're not busy. Sometimes nothing's scheduled. And that's really, really, really important. That's not lazy. That's not because you're not up to it. It's because you've actually tuned into these larger mm-hmm. rhythms. And then second lesson is that there's a Christ wisdom in every person. Jesus has this great line, you are in me and I am in you. There's a, there's a, there's a Christ with every person has a deep knowing of who they are, what they're here to do. And the invitation is to learn to listen to that. You have wise people around you. You have people who can, but what, what the best people around you will do is hold a mirror up to you because you're learning to trust this. So there's a deep Caleb knowing. Um, and when we don't listen to it, I imagine you could tell me about times something within you was going, no, turn left, not right. Something with the avoid, don't put the money there, not there. Mm-hmm. And you had some voice around you telling something different. So you listen to them, an authority figure, family, whatever. And then later you're like, I, I knew that wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. You go back through and you yep. realize something within me knew the whole time and I didn't listen to it. Uh, third lesson. The world is way more malleable and shapeable than anybody realizes. Hmm. It is not a fixed static world that's made of stone and it can't be changed and you basically go out into that world and try to find your place 
but it's way more flexible and bendy. The, the, the clay is way softer than anybody realized. Um, so when people look at the world, why is it this way? How come it's, um, you have way, way, way more power to change it. And most people don't realize this. Like you can move to that town. You can leave that job and go find another one. You can get involved and actually make a difference with that cause. It's way, way more flexible than anybody realizes. Hmm. It doesn't just exist out there fixed and then you sort of try and see if you have a place in it. You can actually shape it. Hmm. Everybody. And uh, I just think that's more true by the day. Yeah. Well, Rob, I know people are going to want to pick up your book, Everything is Spiritual, and continue to learn from you as well. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Oh, man. Support your local bookstore. All the, all the, usual, all the usual book places uh, on my site is all sorts of info about um, these virtual book tour events i'm doing mm-hmm. and we uh re- we recently released a film called an introduction to joy which um was really fun to make so there's always stuff we're always making stuff yeah well rob it's been an incredible time talking with you i've enjoyed it so much and thanks for being on the podcast today i loved it thank you well, Rob, thank you again so much for being on the Learner's Corner podcast today. And if this happens to be your first time listening, the best way to make sure that you don't miss a single episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or whatever it might be as well. And Sam, thank you so much for creating the music for this podcast. For um, And just thank you so much for your friendship as well. And thank you, the listener who is listening to this podcast. You are the reason why I do this because I want to create a safe place for you to have dangerous conversations as well. And if you're currently learning about something that you're really excited about or something that is really challenging you, I would love to hear from you, whether that be that you're learning from a person or a book or a podcast or whatever that might be. And the best way that you can hit me up is on Instagram. My handle is at Caleb J. Mason. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner podcast. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing.